0: Maggie, there's no use laying any blame on yourself. There's nothing anyone could have done. Lizzie Kemp stated firmly, rearranging her hair beneath its creased and grubby linen cap and wiping her hands on her apron, which was still heavily stained with blood from a birth she had attended last night. She'd delivered more babies than she'd had hot dinners and women frequently succumbed to childbed fever. It was a tragic fact of life. Childbirth was a dangerous time for mother and baby, and Beth Strickland was a slight girl with narrow hips, and the baby hadn't been small. She didn't hold with the practice of women going into the lying-in hospital with all their rules and regulations. The place for a baby to be born was at home, and at least the child seemed to be thriving. Now, if you two will give me a hand, we'll tidy her up and straighten these covers, she instructed briskly. "'She'll... she'll go in some comforts. "'We'll sponge her down and change the sheets,' Maggie replied, fighting down the sobs. "'The midwife shrugged but made no comment. "'If they wanted to give themselves the extra work of washing all that bed linen, "'that was their affair. "'She was tired. "'She'd been up all night with a woman in York Terrace who'd had a difficult labour, "'and now this. "'She was beginning to feel she was too old for this work. "'They worked quickly.' in silence and with infinite care, though both girls were still in shock. When Beth was gently eased down between clean sheets, clad in a fresh nightgown, with her hair brushed free of its tangles, the midwife left. She's barely breathing, and she's as pale as the sheet that's covering her, Agnes whispered, thinking that Beth looked as if every drop of blood had been drained from her body. Oh, Neither she nor Maggie were strangers to death. It seemed to stalk these narrow streets of closely packed terraced houses that ran down from St. George's Hill to the docks. But not since Hadar's death three years ago had it come so close. The air in the room was fetid, and she rose and crossed to the small window and managed to force it open a crack, the wood being warped and the sash stiff. A waft of fresh air penetrated the room, filled with the warmth of the spring morning but tinged with the smell of the soot that enveloped everything in the city. Slowly, she came back to Maggie's side and took her hand. "'I can't believe that only a few days ago she was sitting up, holding little May in her arms and smiling.' Maggie nodded sadly and brushed away the tears with the back of her hand. (laughs) "'Neither can I, Agnes. "'Oh, how am I going to break this to our John?' Her big, strapping brother had been delighted that he was going to be a father, but anxious that he'd be halfway across the Atlantic Ocean, shoveling tons of coal into a furnace in the stokehold of the Campania, when Beth's time arrived. Maggie had told him not to worry, that she would see to everything. Hadn't Mrs. Kemp assured them all that Beth would be fine? And she'd spoken from years of experience. She wondered bitterly now if she should have ignored the woman and encouraged Beth to go into the lying-in hospital, or at least there would have been a doctor on hand. Guilt and regret added to her misery. Agnes shook her head. Big John Strickland, as he was known, would be devastated. He'd idolised his pretty wife and always brought her some little bit of finery from New York each time he returned. He didn't spend his few hours' leisure time ashore getting drunk, as most of them did, He'd go off to the cheaper stores, looking for some little gift for his wife, and usually Maggie too. There were few men in this neighbourhood who were foolish enough to deliberately antagonise him. Six years of the brutal conditions of the Stokehold had hardened him. But with his family, he was always gentle and considerate. And she felt heartily sorry for Maggie too. Her parents had both succumbed to an epidemic of diphtheria when she'd been in her teens, John was her only sibling, but he was away for most of the time. It was no wonder she'd fallen for the charms of Billy McAvoy and, despite John's misgivings, had married him. In Agnes's opinion, he wasn't good enough for her friend. He was too glib, too fond of wanting his own way, and far too fond of a drink. He was what her mam called a waster, and she was thankful her Albert was of a steadier nature. He also had a regular job in Ogden's tobacco factory, whereas Billy was a dock labourer, and that was far from what could be termed steady work. She sighed as her thoughts turned to her friend's predicament.